Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Here in Proverbs chapter 13, starting with verse 12, and I'm going to continue to teach on hope uh, uh, and, you know, for a while. I feel like it's what the Lord's put in my heart to teach on. But it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. So this word deferred means to drag along. Actually, another parallel word to drag alone is disappoint. All of us have an expectancy. And that's what hope really means. Hope means an expectancy. It doesn't mean, well, I, can, I hope I, you know, I'm going to hold my breath and just hope, or I'm just, maybe I'm good enough. Maybe God will do this. No, hope is an expectancy. You can expect God to fulfill his word in your life. You can expect God to do what God says he's going to do. And God does have divine appointments for our lives. But when an appointment is not fulfilled, that's what you call a disappointment. And so the word disappointment goes along the same parallels uh, as the same uh, goes uh, as parallel uh, parallel along the same truth as deferred. And so when disappointments aren't dealt with correctly, it can cause a diseased mentality. I'm going to say that again because a lot of people didn't catch that. And I'm going to say it one more time. When a disappointment or disappointments aren't dealt with correctly, it can cause a diseased mentality. So what happens in disappointments is that when it becomes seated in your own life, then you begin to think, well, maybe other things that God has for me won't come to pass either. I'll never forget at a time in my particular life when I was going through one of the most difficult challenges in my life, and it was just like questioning everything. You know, God, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I, you know, doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And all these things, I could not even hardly clearly even know what the vision of God for my life was at that particular time. And the Lord visited me. And in that visitation, he reminded me of something I've always, I've, I've said so many times, you've heard me say it, and i said it for many years, but failure is not a person, failure is an event. Many of you have heard me say that. And the Lord reminded me, he says, what do you say about failure? Don't you say failure is, a, is an event and not a person? This is God speaking to me. I'm going, yeah, that's what I say that all the time. He said, well, disappointment's not a person either. It's an event. And he said to me, he said, if you'll do what my son did when he encountered a potential disappointment. And I knew exactly what he was saying at that particular time. Because there in Matthew 16, after, you know, Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus went to explain to the disciples some of the things he was going to have to do. Peter took Jesus aside and said, not so, Lord. How many of you remember reading that in the Bible? Not so, Lord. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let that happen to you. How many of you know it was God's divine appointment for Jesus to go to the cross? Okay, we know that. But Peter was trying to create a disappointment. And so what did Jesus say? He said, get behind me, Satan, for you're an offense to me. Well, that tells me a whole lot about disappointments. Number one, if disappointments aren't dealt with correctly, they can become an offense in your life. And when Jesus taught, taught us, you know, beware not to become offended, he said many will be deceived. Offense can open up a, a whole uh, 
a, a, a door of just deception. You don't know that things are going on or you're not really aware of what was going on. That's so true. And so when the Lord revealed to me what did my son do when he was faced with this particular disappointment, I said, he said, well, get behind me, Satan, for your offense to me. And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, if you'll rise up and repent for calling people disappointments. How many of you know you've been disappointed by someone? Hmm? We all have, all right? But that's not really the problem. The disappointment's an event, not a person, okay? And so if you'll rise up, this is what the Lord spoke to me. If you'll rise up and repent for calling people disappointments and command them to get behind you, you'll be able to see clearly again. And so I got so excited, I went into where my wife was, and I said, honey, I just had a visitation from God, and this is what he said. So we stood together, we held hands, we repented to God for calling people disappointments, and then we said very firmly and very loudly, disappointments, you get behind us in Jesus' name. I don't know how many times we said it, but I want to tell you, instantly, I could see clearly again. I knew the vision of God. I knew the direction of God. I knew I was where God wanted me to be. I knew that God had a plan for my life. All those things, all this just came right back to me. It's kind of like was, you know, if you've ever driven down a foggy road, you know, and, and it's just foggy everywhere you look, and all of a sudden, in the instance, the fog lifts. Well, there's a reason, you know, with atmospheric uh, weather and things like that, why that happens. But nevertheless, all of a sudden, it just clears up just like that suddenly. Well, that's what happened to me when I command that disappointment to get behind me. And so hope deferred or a disappointment in your own life will make the heart sick, you know. And that's why I said disappointments that aren't dealt with correctly can cause you to have a diseased mentality, a wrong expectation. You're not really hoping in expectation when you are living in the life of disappointments or the realm of disappointments. And so you have to deal with that. You have to tell those disappointments to get behind you. Secondly, when God gives you a word, you know, just like Mary, when God visit Mary, the angel visit Mary and say, you're going to have a child, she didn't say, not so, Lord. I mean, she, she didn't say, you know, uh, hey, that's, that's impossible. She said, how can this be? How are you going to accomplish that? And this is a lot of times what happens when hope is deferred. We don't continue to seek God on how he's going to accomplish what he put in our hearts. So it's so important that we don't allow the hope to be deferred or the disappointment to uh, uh, discourage us because God still plans on doing what God says he's going to do. So we need to continue to seek God. And this is why the enemy wants to bring that disappointment in your life because he doesn't want you to seek God anymore. Well, when we seek God first, what happens? Seek, God, seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and all these things will be taken away from us and we'll be more disappointed. Is that what it says? No. All these things shall be added on to us. What are those things he's going to add on to us? Those things he's put in our hearts. And so it didn't happen the way, a lot of times it didn't happen the way we were expecting him to fulfill it. But you know what? doesn't mean he's not going to fulfill it. He's going to bring it a different way. He's going to bring it across a different way because he's God. You know, a lot of times we have this expectation the way God's going to do it doesn't happen that way because God wants to do it better than what we're thinking. 
You know, that's why the scripture says, He now, now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. Above all. You know, sometimes our thinking's just too small. And as a result of having too small a thinking, you know, no God saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something much better. You know, when it doesn't happen the way we think it ought to happen or the way we're expecting it to happen, we're disappointed. We quit seeking God. Don't ever stop seeking God. Continue to seek God. You know, sometimes you may need to ask God, why has this not happened? I remember one time we got a word uh, in Isaiah 54, you know, uh, it said, lengthen your uh, cords and strengthen your stakes. You know, I'm going to expand you. I'm going to increase you. And many of you have heard here just recently in the last year, we've gotten four, four words, the same word, four different times from four different people who don't know us and don't know each other, didn't know they gave us this word in the area of growth, in the area of being, expanding. You know, and I'm going, okay, Lord, I know you want to do this, but I'm not sure how he's going to do it. Okay, and so, you know, I could get disappointed and say, well, it didn't happen the first week. It didn't happen the second week. But listen, God's not finished yet. It's not over until God says it's over. And it's never over as long as God's in charge. Amen. And so, you know, we don't want to let those disappointments or those divine appointments that maybe hasn't come to pass or appointments that we expect to come to pass to hinder us from continuing to seek God. And so that's why it's so important that we deal with the disappointments correctly. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when it comes, man, it's a tree of life. What is a tree of life? Well, that's described to us in Psalms chapter 1. You know, they that dwell in the presence of God, they that put God first, they, they that bless God, you know, they'll be like a tree planted by the waters where his leaf will never wither. Other words, it's a tree of life. Other words, there's, there's, there's something coming forth from that tree all the days of its life. There's no seasons. It's a continual blessing of the Lord constantly working in your life. You know, and I really believe that's what God wants for you and that's what God wants for me. So hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when it comes to pass, it is a blessing. It's a continual source of God's provision for your life. Well, the word sick here means become weak or become diseased. And that's why I said earlier, you know, when disappointments aren't dealt with correctly, it can cause a disease mentality. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 28 says this, the hope of the righteous. How many of you know that you're the righteousness of God? You're in right standing with God. And we're going to see this in a moment. God considered Abraham righteous because he believed what God said he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And so the hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. So I said this on purpose for a reason. A lot of times some of the disappointments we deal with in life usually, you know, works through, through uh, the disappointment usually works through a person. And it says right here in Proverbs chapter 10, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. And I'm sure we've all experienced at least once in our lives, maybe this, if not, you probably will, unfortunately. I'm not a preacher of gloom or doom, but you know what? Somebody probably will get mad at you, get jealous of you, and purposely try to shipwreck you, stop you, hinder you from being what God wants you to be, or stop a promotion, or say something negative about you with the intent of trying to stop 
your progression, your promotion, your prosperity, your blessing in God's life. It happens. People are people. You know, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but wicked, uh, principalities and weaknesses in high places is what the Bible says. So usually it's that person who is yielding to the demonic spirits that's trying to hinder what God has for your life. But here it says the expectation of the wicked will perish. So I've got good news. Whatever the plan of the evil one has been in your life or a person who's given into the evil one in your life, it will perish. Now, the word perish, what does that mean? It means it won't exist anymore. It won't be there anymore. And so when I got that word in Isaiah 54 where the Lord told us to do that, you know, I said, really, Lord, what, what, what's really going on here? Really? Are you really saying this? And it was a word that was given to us before. You know, how many more words are we going to get before, you know, we start seeing what God's, going to, God's supposed to do in our lives? And I never blame God. But I said, Lord, what is it about me that's hindering what you have for my life? What is it? Do I need an adjustment? Do I need to, you know, am I praying wrong? And is, is there some unforgiveness in my heart? What is it about me? And the Lord spoke to me to reread those scriptures again. And he showed me in verse 4 five different times that my problem at that particular time was shame. Shame was hindering me from receiving from God because I had some disappointments. And, you know, when you're in the word of faith, you know, we don't ever hear about trials or tribulations. A lot of times we just hear about victory, 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 victory. And I thought, wow, I must not have faith because I'm not in victory, 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 victory all the time. You know, in fact, I had to step back a little bit. And, you know, in fact, I had to do some other things financially in order to, you know, help meet the needs of our own personal life and things like that outside of the ministry. And so God, God met that, those needs, but I was ashamed. And the Lord revealed that to me, that that shame was hindering me from receiving from what God had for me. And I had to begin to focus on the promises of God giving me the double, hello, somebody, for my shame, because that's what it says in Isaiah 61, 7. I'll give you the double for your shame. And so I had to let the shame go. I had to renounce the shame. And I had to tell myself, that's not who I am. You know, just because I had to step back for a little bit doesn't mean I step back permanently. Hello, somebody. Sometimes prosperity means that, you know what, you don't always do what you thought you could do or you don't continue to do what you were able to do if you don't have the money to do it. That's prosperity. In other words, having the sense to know that you can't give as much. And so we were a church at that particular time. We were given quite a bit in missions, and we had to cut back. We didn't stop giving the missions. We couldn't give as much. And, you know, that's a, big, that's a big pill to swallow to have to call a missionary up and tell them that, you know, hey, we can't give you as much. Well, one missionary, he didn't take it very well, and he, he made it known and took a strong offense against it, you know. But my attitude was, if we don't have a church, how are we going to support you in the future? So we had to make some adjustments. And, yes, I was ashamed. But you know what? God told me that's not who I am. And I was using wisdom by pulling back, making some uh, decisions, some hard decisions, cutting back on staff, cutting back on some other things, you know. But nevertheless, God still honors his word, and he says, I'm going to give you the double. But ladies and gentlemen, we're not only going to see the double, we're going to see the intent, the original intent that God has for this house. 
And that was a word before we ever moved to Columbia, Missouri, and that is that you're going to have hundreds and 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 hundreds. And I mean, it just went on. You say, well, Pastor, you really believe that? Why don't you look around? No, my hope is not what I see. My hope is in the Word of God. Come on, somebody. Amen. And whatever the wicked, of, uh, the expectation of the wicked is, it's perished. And number one, it certainly has perished in my own heart and my own soul. So it's important that we deal with whatever is trying to challenge us from receiving from God because God does not disappoint. Go with me to Romans chapter uh, 4. Well, no, let's go to 5 and then we'll back up. Starting with verse 1. We doing okay this morning? All right. Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that right there is a mouthful. Just that one scripture ought to get you through the day every day. You have been freely justified. Romans 3.24. We always quote Romans 3.23. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Romans 3.24 says he has freely, say freely. freely. Ask your neighbor how much that cost you. <laughs> Nothing. Freely justified you. Now the best layman definition for it, for us to keep it, uh, keep mind of this as just as if you never sinned. But it's more than that. But just as if you never sinned. So you've been justified. So being justified by faith. Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ puts you in right standing with God and justified you. And now we have peace with God. And the word peace means complete, fullness, everything that God created. That word peace is, means that you are now in the fullness of everything that God has for you. So now you have peace with God. In other words, God's given you everything that he has. You are complete in God. You know, there's no shortcomings in your life. Because his spirit is on the inside of you. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access. Access means an entrance into. We have an entrance into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have an entrance into the grace of God. We have an access to the grace of God. Well, what is grace? Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. So you have access to the favor of God. You have access to the ability of God. What is the best definition of favor? Favor is doing something with your own ability, your own provisions, your own substance to help somebody else who doesn't have the ability and doesn't have the substance. You know, a lot of times, you know, we use this illustration, you know, someone's cooking something, they realize they don't have enough ingredients in their, uh, uh, in their kitchen to, to finish baking what they're baking, so they ask their neighbor, can I borrow, can, will you do me a favor, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Well, you know what, that's not a real favor. I mean, you know, if you wanted to stop, you can go to the store, get your own sugar if you wanted to. You know, but a real favor is, is in the story of the Good Samaritan. When he found that person bleeding and dying on a Jericho road, he stopped and helped him. He couldn't help himself. 
he used his own money, and not only did he use his own money, but he told the innkeeper, hey, whatever, you know, he accumulates while he's, you know, mending up and, and being restored, I'll come back and pay you. Now, that's a real favor, okay? And so when it says, love thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love thy neighbor as yourself, and that lawyer said, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus said, this is who your neighbor is, and you can do this when you're walking in the favor or the grace of God. So therefore, God has given you this access into this grace, this ability, his ability, tapping into his favor through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope or the expectancy of the glory of God. Now we can talk all day long about what the glory of God is, but one of the glory of God is the manifestation of his word. That's one of the glory of God. Oh, isn't it that cloud that we talk about? Yeah, that's part of it too. But the glory of God is the manifestation of his presence or the manifestation of his word in your life. And not only that, but also glory in tribulations, knowing that tri tribulations per produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. So what's it say in James chapter 1 verses 2? Count it all joy. When you fall in divers temptation, knowing this. See, you know, it's, it's one thing to count it all joy by faith. But if you count it all joy, you need to know and have an expectation. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith will produce patience. Let patience have its perfect work. You being entire wanting nothing. What does that mean? That means the glory of God's going to visit you. That, mean, that means God's going to manifest his promises in your life. That's what that means. Absolutely what that means. Hold your finger there and go, to, go with me to Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 35. Are we doing okay this morning? All right, Hebrews 10. And this is so important right before the, the big chapter that we always remember in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. Okay? But this is very important, leading us up to how to operate in faith. Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. So what does disappointment do? It tries to cause you to cast away your, dis, your, your confidence. What's a, 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 a hope deferred do? It tries to cause you to cast away your confidence. Don't do it. Don't cast away that which you're expecting. Therefore, do not cast away your, what you're expecting or your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. When are you going to receive the promise? After you do the will of God. But it's not just after you do the will of God, but you need to continue to do the will of God. And this is what happens so many times. Well, God didn't show up. God didn't answer my prayer. I guess I'm just not going to serve him anymore. Well, I'm not here to offend anybody, but the chances are you probably weren't serving him with your whole heart or at least with a pure heart before it ever happened. So we need to continue to serve God after we do the will of God, after we have made a decision, not my will, God, but your will, God. How many of you believe that you were wonderfully and fearfully made by God? 
I believe that. How many of you believe you have a divine plan for, from God for your life? I believe that. How many of you believe that God can, you know, do what he says he can do in your life? I believe that. Okay, but how can he do it if you make a choice not to do the will of God for your life? You get mad. Well, I'm not going to serve God anymore. Bless God. I remember talking to someone one time. He says, yeah, I'm, I'm a little mad, mad at the man upstairs. And I'm like, get over it. Come on, let's quit calling him the man upstairs, you know. He's God. Why are you God? Well, you know, and I understand he had a disappointment and involved an individual. I get it. Things didn't work out. But you know what? God's the last person you want to get mad at. For a little while, he who is coming will come and not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. It took me a while to understand this. Why does God not have pleasure in it? Well, I'll give you a very good example. This last year, Vicki and I got so excited because I had met some young people who were struggling in life and developed a relationship with them through our bank. And I found out that they didn't have plans for Christmas. So I went home and I said, Vicki, why don't we have a Christmas dinner for them? She said, that's a great idea. So we went out, we bought everything. And are we inviting them? And they said, yes. And we bought everything, you know. And I tell you what, you know, I, I think I baked the turkey and we did some other things. Got everything so ready to go. And they didn't show up. Our pleasure didn't have soul. Our, our soul didn't have pleasure. Why? Why did our soul not have pleasure? Because they didn't show up? No, because we couldn't give them what we intended to give them. So what causes God's soul not to have pleasure in those who draw back? Because he wasn't able to do what he wanted to do for you. Well, I've made a decision that God will always have pleasure in me. In other words, I'm going to let God do what, everything he wanted to do for me. Amen? How about you? But we are not of those who draw back uh, unto perdition, but those who believe the saving of the soul. Now faith is. The substance of things hoped for or expecting or that we have confidence in. Now we understand why Hebrews 10.35 is kind of way back there before we get to Hebrews chapter 11.1. In fact, you know, when the author wrote the Bible, there weren't chapters and verses. This is a letter. Don't throw away your confidence because faith is... The substance of things that you have confidence is going to come to pass. Or that you have an expectation for. Hello, somebody. Or what you're expecting. And the evidence of things not seen. And for by it the elders attain a good testimony. For by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that these things which are seen were made, were not made of things which are visible. In other words, he's saying, no one saw it before it came to pass, but yet it still came to pass because the word of God was spoken. You believe it's going to come to pass because the word of God spoke it? I do. What well, has God spoken to you? What has God spoken to me? I believe it's going to come to pass. Now, I can't see I have no idea in the natural realm. I have no substance in the natural realm to grab hold of to make what God has said to come to pass to come to pass. But I believe it will because God said it and God cannot lie. Amen. 
you know, God swore to Abraham, you know, on himself because there was no greater to swear. Now go back to Romans chapter 4. Are we doing okay this morning? Hope. Expectancy. You know, you can increase your expectancy. And we're going to see how to do that here in just a moment. Romans chapter 4, starting with verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So why is that there? That is there because the law is based on works, okay? So God's promise to Abraham wasn't based on him according to the law being in right standing with God, okay? In other words, it wasn't based on Abraham's works. It wasn't based on the fact that Abraham prayed enough. It wasn't based on the fact that Abraham gave enough tithes. It wasn't based on the fact that, you know, Abraham read the word enough, it wasn't based on that. Oh, it wasn't. No, what was it based on? What was the promise that God could use to deliver his promise? What was the substance that God could use to deliver his promise to Abraham? Well, we're going to find out. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made no effect, because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. The promise, the promise, the word of the Lord, what God has shown you. Okay, you can take that word promise out or you can put in there if you want God's promises to you, God's word to you. Might be sure to all the seed. Well, Galatians chapter 3.13 says that we are what? The seed of Abraham. Isn't that right? Okay, who's the father of us all. In other words, this applies to us because of our faith in Christ Jesus. Then he goes on and says, as it is written, I made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Didn't we just see in Hebrews chapter 11 that he called things be not as though they were? In other words, it's not by the things that are seen and it, did, and, and it, and it came out of things that weren't visible. Why? Because of what? The word of the Lord. So he went on to say, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who he, and that word he there is Abraham, whom Abraham believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they are. This is who God is. God created things. Go all the way back to Genesis 1.1. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, light be and light was. You know, God spoke things in existence. We just saw there in Hebrews 11 again. You know, God framed the world with his words. And so Abraham had one thing here going for him. He had a word from God. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Who contrary into the hope of, of what was going on in the natural realm. And you have to understand that he could not expect 
to have a child at 99 years old and Sarah being 90 years old. That's contrary to hope. The laws of nature said it's not going to happen. The laws of, of, of reproduction says it's not going to happen. So contrary to being able to expect this to happen because of the laws of nature wasn't there. There was no expectation of this to come to pass. No way it could come to pass in the natural realm. That's what that means. Contrary to being able to expect it. You know, sometimes, you know, God gives us a word, and in the natural realm, we can see how it can come to pass. But in this situation, there was no way it could come to pass. He could not expect it to come to pass the way it normally has come to pass. It was beyond that. But in hope, he believed. Or his expectation wasn't in what he could see. His expectation was in what God was saying. God said this. So that he became, because he expected what God said was going to take place, it happened. Now, did it happen in his lifetime? Did he see descendants more numerous than the stars and the sand? No, but did it happen? Yes. Did God do something called a miracle in him and Sarah's life? Absolutely it happened. So I'll share you this minute. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced, say fully convinced, does this this sound like don't cast away your confidence to you? Don't cast away your confidence. Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Why was it accounted to him for righteousness? Because he believed. He believed what God said. Well, what do I have to do to, do to be good enough to receive what God says? Believe what God says. That's all you got to do. That's all he did. Now, it was written for his sake. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that was imputed to him, but also for us. Otherwise, other words, this was written, this was recorded to show us how to have hope in what God's saying contrary to what everything else is going around us. Or, let me say it this way, this is how we can expect God's divine appointments and promises to come to pass, even though everything says it won't. There's nothing too hard for God. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him. Now, a lot of times we go, well, be imputed to us that we're the righteousness of God. No, imputed means it will be granted unto us. It will be manifested to us. It will be given to us if we believe. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised up for our justifications. So what am I seeing here? How did, how did Abraham 
mustered up the faith or get the faith to the point that contrary to not being able to expect it in the natural realm, he still expected God to be able to do what God said he could do. How did he do that? Well, another one, he chose, first of all, to believe God above everything. God said it. That's the key. What is God saying to you? I believe God. I believe God. I believe God. And this is what we have to do when we're facing the circumstances that says they'll never come to pass. I believe God. I believe God. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know who. I don't know what. But you know what? I don't have to know those things. You know, make it easier on yourself and difficult on God. I don't have to know these things. I want to say that again. Make it easy on yourself and difficult on God. You know, it's God's word that's at stake here, not mine. I didn't say it. You know, if I would have said what I think that God ought to do, I would have done it based on what I could see. But God doesn't work that way. He calls things that be not as though they are. All right, God, it's your word. I didn't, I didn't give anybody extra money to give me a word. Hey, why don't you give me a word in front of everybody here, you know? I didn't ask for that word. Four different times. I was totally, just totally doing something 100% different when the pastor said, I want to let you know what God showed me about your ministry. I was totally doing something, just totally. I was helping another minister, second minister, helping him out of a bad situation. When he said, let me tell you what God told me. You know, we, we were just taking time to thank God for 25 years of God's goodness. And Brother Jerry says, now I know. We were just going down to Branson to sit under the word and get ministered to. And somebody we don't know came up and gave us a word. Same thing. <coughs> All of them, same thing. I mean, if you were to look at them, well, maybe some uh, different words, uh, how they use the word, but basically the same thing. You know, I could be content with certain, uh, a certain level, and God's saying, uh, I can't. <laughs> All right, well, then I'm going to have to believe God. I can get by on a certain level, and God says, that's fine, you can, but I can't, because I need you to believe me so I can touch the city that I called you to. Amen. Amen. So i got to believe God. He said it. It's his word. It's not my word. So, you know, I'm just thanking God. <laughs> And I am praying, now, God, don't let me do anything to hinder what you have for me. Well, can you do that? Well, absolutely. The children of Israel hindered God by not believing, by allowing what they could see to hinder what God said he could do. There's giants in the land. And God goes, oh, myself. I didn't realize how big these guys were and how little you are. I had no idea. Oh, time out, on pause. We got to have a committee. Can we really get these Israelites into the promised land? No, he didn't do that. No, no, he said, you know, he said, sorry, guys, but, you know, it, it, after all that I did for you, if you can't believe for me to remove these giants from you, 
then I'm going to have to raise up another generation. Well, I'm here to let you know that you're that generation. He's raised you up for such a time as this. So he believed God. And it goes on, it says here, contrary to hope. In other words, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Well, I'm 99 years old. Well, you know, I'm 99 years old. Well, I'm 99. I'm, 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 man, I'm, I'm 99. How did I get that way? Boy, time flies, doesn't it? 99 years old. How's this going to happen? No, you didn't consider any of those things. Well, Sarah, hmm. No, he didn't consider Sarah either. What did he do? He gave God glory. How did he give God glory? He said, God said something, and he's going to bring it to pass. He gave God glory before it ever happened. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Me and Sarah, we're going to have a child. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I don't know when and I don't know where, but I really don't care. It's going to happen because God said it's going to happen. Hallelujah. And I'm just going to enjoy watching God perform and show his glory. Amen. That's what I'm going to do. Hallelujah. Don't have to make it happen. But I do pray, Lord, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. Lord, help me not get in the way of what you have for me. Help me not get in the way of what's going on. No one's breaking in the back. That's just the wind moving the walls back there. Anyway. So he didn't consider. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body, nor did he consider somebody else's situation. Mm. Well, now, Lord, if that person didn't try to stop me from getting a promotion, you know, don't consider that. God's bigger than that person. Hello, somebody. God's much bigger than that. And he did not waver at the promise. Well, Sarah, you think we really heard from God? You think God really told us? Think you really think God called us to Columbia? You really think he called us to have a church of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds? You really think this? No. No, he didn't waver. Every day, God's doing something. He's up to something. Hallelujah. You say, well, Pastor, why do you think it's taking so long? Well, you know, I don't know why it's taking so long. But you know, sometimes when it looks impossible, God shows it up, he gets greater glory for it. Isn't that the truth? He gets greater glory for it. He didn't waver through unbelief, but he strengthened the faith. How? By giving God glory. Thank you, Lord. We're going to have a child. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're going to do this. And then he was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Mm -hmm. Are you fully convinced? Or have you let some deferred disappointments hinder you from being fully convinced? And if you have, 
Just go to God and say, you know what, Lord? I've let some things in. My own soul, my own heart that has stopped me from being fully convinced. You know, how... Menial it is to think that God can't do something because somebody else tried to stop it. Really? Really? Really you think that God has fallen off his throne because somebody else made a plan to sabotage his plan for your life? Are you kidding? God's laughing about that. Don't ever think that somebody else can stop God's plan for your life. Because they can't. God has a plan, and he is in the process of doing it. But, you know, that's the greatest area where a lot of us lose our faith is when we see somebody else rise up or somebody else has risen up and persecuted our vision. Isn't that right? Oh, can't happen now. So-and-so's mad at me. So-and-so came against me. You know, all of a sudden, our hearts are deferred. Isn't that right? Our hopes deferred, excuse me. Our expectations deferred. See, we can't keep our faith in man. You know, I have news for you. God sees us as a vapor. In other words, someday in his eyes, we're going to just go up and smoke. (laughs) Really? I mean, you know, what is mere man? You know, I mean, what's our life? It's like a va- God's like, what? You're, 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 you're allowing what to stop me from doing what? You're allowing who? You know, do I need to remind you that I cast the devil out of heaven? I didn't have a problem with terminating a third of the angels. I didn't go, oh, myself, what am I going to do with a third of my employees gone? You know? I don't have a problem with these things because he's God. And that's where we need to get our expectation at, our hope in. He's a God. He's a big God. You really believe he created the heavens and the earth? I do. Do you really believe he calls all the stars by name? How did he activate Abraham's faith? Hey, Abe, come on outside. Look at all the stars. Someday they're going to say, Abraham's my father. Your descendants are going to say, Hey, I'm a descendant of Abraham. Someday this is going to happen. Nations are going to come out of you, Abraham. Someday he gave him a visual, you know, Sometimes we need to ask God, give us the visual of what you have for us. Amen? Amen. Begin to focus on that. Set our goals on the same goals that God has for you. So he didn't waver. He was fully convinced God was able to perform. And so God said, you're in in right standing with, with me. And so he did this for our sake. Well, what else can we do? to be fully persuaded. Well, the Word of God says this, that when we pray in the Spirit, we build ourselves up. Jude 20. Build yourself up upon your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. 
And I really encourage you when you struggle, pray in the Spirit. Allow that the Spirit of God begin to charge you back up. Charge up your expectancy. If you're struggling with it, go to God and say, God, I'm struggling with, you know, what you told me that you're going to do. I mean, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. I, you know, uh, can, you, can, you, can you help me? Can you increase? Can you help me tap into that grace? Help me to tap into that ability to believe like you believe, God. You know, and having that time with the Lord and spending time in his presence. And you know what? All of a sudden, you'll walk out of that presence of God saying, you know, there is nothing too hard for God. Amen. There's not one thing. I can expect everything that God told me to come to pass. Because he said it. If he said it, he is well able to perform it. Now, some people have experienced a work to begin. And this is the scripture you stand on. That work that he began in you, he is that well able to complete. Well, you know, I'm getting a little older, Pastor. He's well able to complete it. Amen. Well, you know, Pastor, you know, he's, he's well able to complete it. Start dwelling on the fact that work that he started into, started with you. He's well able to complete. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.